Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. The Big 12 is open for business, according to the new commissioner, Brett Yormark. Ari Wasserman, what the hell does that even mean? We will do anything in our power whatsoever to keep ourselves relevant enough to continue to exist. I like that. I think that's probably right. And I, given everything the Big 12 has been through, I, I, that, that feels like something they're capable of figuring out. I think if you're a Big 12 fan, you want to hear that, right? Oh, 100%. You want to hear, we're going to be aggressive. We're gonna... Now, here, here's what I'm thinking, though. When I heard Brett Yormark say that on Wednesday, I thought if Pac-12 media days were today, George Klyavkov would say the same thing. Of course. And yeah. he would also say that that he's getting reached out to by different entities, like Brett Yormark said. Yeah, I mean, what are they going to do? Come out and be like, we're dead in the water here, guys? Like, <laughs> and, and I know that open for business is an implication that they want to continue to explore expanding uh, avenues, right? But mm-hmm. it might also mean other things too, like partnerships and you know whatever they can yeah. do with 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 other businesses and television stations and gambling entities or whatever that you can come up with that makes them a, a relevant uh, source of football. So exactly, you know, and it's absolutely what you would, especially what you would want them to say. And you know, the thing that I'm always just really curious about is. If you are a fan of the Big 12 or what's remaining of the Big 12, do you want it to continue to exist? Or like, do you want to be in a position where everybody gets swept up and, you know, you come along for the ride a little bit? It's kind of like a vacuum cleaner in one of those Pixar movies. It's like, do you want to get sucked up by the vacuum cleaner or do you just want to be in the conference that's dying? Have you been watching more Pixar movies? Is this this a relatively new development or? No, no, I think it's, I don't even know if there is a vacuum cleaner in any Pixar movie. I think it's more of the Toy Story. I, think, I was going to say, thing. I think there's a fear of it in Toy Story. So, yes, but here, here's the thing. I, I don't think if you are a, a fan of the schools that have been in the Big 12 all along, I know this because I got yelled at by a lot of them this week because they thought something I said about Texas and Oklahoma actually had something to do with them when it didn't. And K-State, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Kansas fans they don't want to get swept up because they're not going to get swept up. Yeah. They want, well, now Oklahoma State might. Well, do we know that for sure? Like, what if they get swept up by a third party that emerges? Well, a third party that emerges like a, you talk about some combined ACC, Big 12, Pac-12 yes. entity or. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but I, I, if I'm them, I'd rather my league be the aggressor to yeah. eliminate the possibility of me being left by the wayside. Yeah, and I, I think, think that I'd makes feel sense. The same. I'd feel the same way if I was an Oregon State fan, if I was a Cal fan. That makes sense if there's options. I just don't know how many options these guys have left. Like, I guess if the Big 12 goes and acquires acquires Oregon and Washington, then I guess that would make sense. Right. But like at a certain point, there's going to be no more moves left to make in terms of acquiring properties. Well, and Oregon, Washington are the two, I guess, biggest players left on the board on that side of the country. Right. Where 
Maybe the only two, right? Is yeah, it fair I mean, to say the only two? They're the closest thing to tent poles as you can get right now. So other than and I got to tell you, and I'm not loving the direction that Washington's headed in right now either. But again, it's 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 not about how they're doing on the field. It's all about money and, and fan support. So I guess what I said doesn't really matter. I always get I always fall in this trap of love of perception of program and what their value is. And as it pertains to expansion, and those are two different things. Well, I was gonna say, yeah, if we're just talking about what we did, on, what, what a program did on the field, like Oklahoma State should have nothing to worry about. Like Oklahoma yeah, State should be yeah. coveted by everyone because they're good. And Baylor should be coveted by everyone because they're good. And but right now, I feel like Baylor and Oklahoma State are sneaky underrated properties if it comes to like assets to a assets to a new conference. And, you know, again, separate what they're worth and what they are. But like Baylor and Oklahoma State belong in the super conferences more than half the teams that are actually in them by happenstance. That's correct. But unfortunately, that's not how it works. And (laughs) I know, unfortunately for them, for sure. Yeah, that. So I would want my league to be the aggressive one, whether I was in the Big 12 or in the Pac-12. The ACC is a different animal because of that grant of rights. It, it, it feels weird because it feels like anything they do that gets them a new TV deal allows the schools that might want to leave to get out. So I don't I don't know what you wish for if you're in the ACC. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what what those schools would want. But I, I think if you are a, a Pac-12 school that isn't Oregon or Washington, because we know what they want. They want a Big Ten invitation. But the other ones, you'd want to find a way to stay together and maybe grab some more. And if you're the Big 12, you're going to stay together, but you'd kind of like to grab some more to make that next TV deal more lucrative. I think if you're the Big 12, if you're, if you're Brett Yormark, you attack the middle of the Pac-12. You go to Colorado, to Utah, if you want the Arizona schools, them. If you want the Bay Area schools, them. However you want to handle that. And you say, hey, you four that we're talking to, come join us. Because if they, they come join the legs you. legs out from underneath them. Exactly. If they come join you, if Oregon and Washington are told no by the Big Ten, guess who's coming? Oregon and Washington, Washington. are coming to you. Yeah. It's a power play. This is chess, yeah. not checkers, Andy. Um, <laughs> and I guess like what? If you are a Pac-12 or a Big 12 fan, you want your conference to be the aggressor because you want to remain, if you're one of the bottom feeder teams in those conferences, you want to remain in a relevant conference. So like, if that scenario that you just said plays out, then what does it mean for the Bay Area schools or the Arizona schools if they are the two that that the Big 12 doesn't choose in that scenario? Then all of a sudden, you've got four teams from the middle of the Pac-12 going to the Big 12, which is basically a forced move to get Washington and Oregon to join you in the Big 12 so that there's a home for them. And then all of a sudden, it's just like Arizona and Arizona State and Washington State are just like, and Oregon State are just like, what are we doing here? Like, they're just out in the middle of nowhere. And like, if your conference is the aggressor, that helps you avoid being the the Arizona schools in that scenario. Now, I, I will say, having done that TV study last week, if I'm the Big 12, I'm taking Washington State too. I yeah. want Washington State. Give me Washington State. Add that to the list. Although, like, but, if you just were asking random fans who they would think would be more valuable would be Arizona State, but what you're saying is that it's not actually true. Well, I think Arizona State is... Your alma mater is one of the ones that's kind of dragging it down a little bit. Yeah, I bet. They're, they're if, if, at least from TV number standpoint, they're a lot worse off than Arizona State and definitely worse off than, than Washington State because Washington State gets 
gets numbers. So the thing I, but, I do wonder about Arizona, and somebody like made the comment about like what does Ari think about U of A? So if you want to take a minute to talk about it, by all means. I wonder, and we know that football drives the bus. Nobody is is not acknowledging that here. But I'm wondering if Arizona's basketball property makes them more attractive in a hypothetical expansion. It can't hurt because having a, a, a team that can compete for the, the national title in basketball is a big deal to a conference. I mean, the Big 12 has the two most recent men's basketball national champions in, in Baylor and Kansas. So it does matter. It's yeah. just it doesn't matter as much as football. But, but if you were I, choosing I, between Arizona and Arizona State, would you just take, take Arizona, Arizona State, State because the Arizona State's football program has bigger numbers? But the, the other or would thing you take about the whole is, package of Arizona? Because it's not like Arizona State's lighting the world on fire on the field. So no, it would be basic, basically how much money can your can that program's existence in your conference make for the conference? And if the basketball money is getting poured into it, then Arizona's basketball program probably makes a heck of a lot more than most. I think you could probably make the case that Arizona's basketball program is more valuable than any other Pac-12 basketball program, including UCLA right now. The other thing to consider is politics. It it may be that schools in a certain state are tied together. Like it's, it's yeah. one thing with the big 10, like if Oregon and Washington get invited to the big 10, they might be able to leave Oregon state and Washington state behind. But if they're making what might be considered a more parallel move, they may have legislators that are like, Nope, you got to take your partner. Yeah. Or no deal. And, yeah. and that that's where, and so Arizona state and Arizona, same boat. It, it, we don't know how that's gonna how that's gonna play out too because we've seen that happen in, in realignment before. Like Virginia was instrumental in getting Virginia Tech into the ACC. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's a and it's also whether or not people give a crap about this, but it's important to the fans too because mm-hmm. like I don't yeah, know you want your rival. Like you I, heard I know, Mike Gundy talking about Bedlam. Yeah, I mean, you have the Arizona, you know, duel in the desert or whatever, you know. It's a pretty the territorial cup, Ari. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, no, I know. I, I like to call it the duel in the desert. I think that's a cooler name. <laughs> territorial cup sounds like a dog racing to me. I don't know why. <laughs> in Australia? Uh, yeah, I, it doesn't sound like a manly thing. Like I, I like a manly brood football. Like duel in the desert is such a cooler name. So I mean, that's what Apple I call Cup it. doesn't sound manly, but it's an awesome name for a rivalry. What is territorial cup? Apples in Washington. Territorial cup sounds like an oatmeal. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I just have never liked the name. Uh, but, you know, I guess that's one man's opinion. But it's a pretty big deal in Arizona for that one week a year, you know? And yeah. it would suck if it stopped existing. I think it would suck if all these rivalries would stop existing. Yeah, I, I just... A merger would be the nicest version of this where everybody still gets to be kind of at the same level. I'm just afraid that this is... This is too cutthroat an environment for that to happen. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. So we all can agree that the Pac-12 as in, in the current world of college football is lagging behind everybody else. Right. It is. But having the two bigger brands than any brands in the Big 12 helps. But the point someone. I'm trying to make is if there is a. If there are two super conferences, is there a world where you could have a third super conference that is clearly worse than the big two? Yes. And like it still exists because like that's kind of what the Pac-12 is now, right? It's basically the middle class coalesces into one conference. Although the ACC, again, they're sitting out there with 
some big brands. And that's why they, the that's why I'm not sweating if I'm them. As long as the ACC has those brands together in the same car, I think that they are going to have a, a very valuable asset there um, for a long period of time. Now, the thing is that I always reminds me of too is, you know, if you've ever bet on a golf tournament or whatever, and there's like a heavy favorite or five heavy favorites, you can like bet the field. It's like mm-hmm. one of these seven, and you can bet the field like in the NCAA basketball tournament. I wonder if like they could just call the third power conference the field and you know, you could say who's going to win the national championship this year. Uh, one of the five teams from these two super conferences or the field. And I think that would be an entertaining way to look at it. That, that would be, and the field would be a great name for the conference. I, I did spitball some names for the conference in, in dear Andy, if there was some sort of merged entity. And I said, why not call it the super conference? Because, Geographical designations mean nothing. You can't really do big and then insert a number here because the Big Ten sort of has the... They're better at that than you. And so just do something different. Conference USA is taken. That would have been a perfect name for for a coast-to-coast type conference like, like what we're talking about. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Which is just like the rest of the episode is just going to be like us trying to come up with the cool names. It could be. We have we have some other things to talk about. Our, our friend Bud Elliott released the new blue chip ratio on 24-7 Sports. And then uh, we've also got a One of my favorite things of the year. At the end. One of my favorite things of the year, Andy. Oh, the, yeah. The blue chip ratio. It's well, like my let's, Christmas. Let's get into that. Let's get into that because it was, it was very interesting. There were a couple of trends that, that Bud wrote about and you and I looked at that, that, that we thought were interesting. So let, let's talk about that now. So for those who don't know, the blue chip ratio is something that Bud came up with years ago where basically he determined that to win the national title in this day and age – you need to have at least 50% of your roster be four and five star recruits. And these are these are signees. These are, 
you know, out of high school signees, not walk-ons. These are scholarship players. And so he hasn't been wrong yet. There, there has not been a team that won the national title, I think, this century that, that didn't have over 50%. But some trends have emerged. I, mean, I got to tell you, I'm really, I'm really, really surprised to hear that, Andy. That's that. You're not, you are surprised? I'm, or are I'm being super sarcastic? shocked. I'm being sarcastic, yeah. Stop. All right. Yes, stars matter, Ari. That's right. Yes. But it's going to reinforce the brand, you know? What's interesting is like 2014, I believe there were zero schools that had more than 75% blue chips. They have more than 75% four and five star recruits. Right now, yeah, I think Ohio State won the national title that year and they were 68%, right? Correct. Correct. Right now, there are three schools that are over 77, that are 77% or higher. And Alabama has an 89% blue chip ratio. Like it has become more lopsided yeah. as we've gone. And it, like I've tried to like explain this to people based on where the, I mean, I've kind of reduced it a little bit because I think that blue chip, blue chip is like Bud's entire view of this is correct. Like I'm not trying to, to yeah. say anything negative about it, but I think that because of the concentration of the talent, and the fact that these ratios are getting into the 70s and 80s, that top 100 players become more important. So like the Mm -hmm. tease for the story was that Bud Elliott believes that Auburn could win a national championship this year based on their blue chip ratio, because I believe that they are on the chart somewhere. They're last on the chart. They're at 54%. So they they technically have enough talent on their roster to reach that, that peak that he believes you have to have. But like in 20, that might have been true in 2013. That's not true anymore. Like 54 and 77 is such a vast difference that like Auburn will never win the national championship this year. So like why I I break down the top 100 players is because those are usually the game breakers. And when 66% of the top 100 players are going to five schools, that is a nice little window into what these numbers show. And it's that. You know, we always like look back and say, well, any given Saturday, right? And, and that's true. Upsets happen all the time. But it is insane how much stronger the super teams are now in relation to everybody else than they were, Andy, even in 2014, which just doesn't really seem that long ago. And and the more games you add to the postseason, this gets into our playoff conversation, the less likely it is that a team with a lower percentage winds up winning the whole thing. Sure. Because of the depth factor. But sure. So so this year, the top four are Alabama at 89%, Ohio State at 80%, Georgia at 77%, Oklahoma at 71%. I should say top five. And then you get Texas A&M at 70%. Yeah. So, and like Texas A&M's roster is like, so like there's not all blue chip ratios are created the same, too. You have to remember. Yeah. There like, are there. They trend young on the blue chip side. Yes, because half of half of their roster um, or the most elite players of their roster were in last year's class. So, you know, I'm not saying they're not a good football team, but if a large percentage of your roster is freshmen, then that kind of skews the numbers a little bit. And the other thing you have to consider, and I think this is something that Ohio State's fallen victim to, is Ohio State, I think, had eight or nine top 100 receivers on their roster at one time, which is a very good job of skewing those numbers because 
Yes, every single person is accounted for the same way, but if they're all in the same room and half of them aren't playing, then they have no impact on the way your team plays. So, well, and, that, and that's how Jamison Williams winds up, winds up at Alabama. Right. So like Ohio State's blue chip ratio was lopsided two years ago before he transferred, but he had relatively zero impact on Ohio State's production that year. So yeah. like, you know, the, it's, it's, it's one. So the way that he says it is the thing that I always say about stars, which is you absolutely have to have them. But there is context that needs to be applied with each one of these teams. And without the blue chip ratio, you have zero shot. And now I think that the way that the sport is constructed now, I think Bud should should amend his 50 percent and probably put it up to 65 because you have teams right now like Alabama has got 89 percent of their team is a blue chip prospect. Like, do you know how insane that is? That means only 11 percent. I bet you it's like the punter. Like, yeah. Punters, kickers. And they're yeah. getting more stacked in the portal, too. That's the hilarious thing about it. People are like, well, the portal's going to exist, and these great players that go to Alabama are just going to you know, leave when they get frustrated they aren't playing early. It's like, no, Jameer Gibbs went to Alabama. Yeah, He literally left Georgia Tech, and I was going to be the best running back in the country at Alabama when he wasn't recruited out of high school there. So, or didn't go there out of high school. So, like I said, that, he didn't go there. They, they, recruited, yeah, they recruited him. him. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. So... You know, I, I look at this blue chip ratio, Alabama, 89%. Like they are going to win the national championship this year. You know, it's like July 14th. You want to, you want to like throw out predictions. Ari Wasserman's prediction on July 14th. Look at chart. Alabama has 10% more blue chip <laughs> players on their roster than the second most talented team in the country. And Nick Saban is their head coach. There's your freaking analysis. Like, what, like there's nothing, there's <laughs> yeah. nothing else to even discuss. Oh by, oh, by the way, they had the returning Heisman trophy winner, trophy winner at quarterback. The- and the bar none best defensive player in the country, who, by the way, is also the best player in the country. Also might be one of the best players of the last 10 years. Like, yes. I don't know if I... Like, Will he Anderson is, the most, is... He's unbelievable. Off the charts, so, good. So, like, right now, when you look at this list here, Auburn is 54, Miami's 55, Penn State's 55, Michigan's 59, Oregon's 60, Florida's 60, Notre Dame's 62, and Clemson's 63. I think, like, Clemson might be the bottom team on that list that I would cut off as a chance to win a national championship. I would bet my entire house and all of my assets that one of the teams on this list from Clemson up will win the national championship this year. I, yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody who even take that bet because yes, well, that's stars, exactly matter, what's stars don't matter. People would No, they well not, not if they actually had to put something up that was tangible. Yeah. So, I mean, like, so who your national champion will be Clemson, LSU, Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Georgia, Ohio State, or Alabama this year. And, and it probably I, I would, would just be Alabama. It's, it's probably that first five. It's, it's probably coming from that first five. Well, the thing about Clemson that's tricky is that they're always the exception to the rule. So, like, I never right, like to count them out so beforehand well. because they evaluate yeah. so well. But the thing I got into an argument with the Clemson fan over, because uh, I don't know how this, if this happened to you, Andy, but, like, apparently I hate Notre Dame and I hate Clemson and I hate Michigan and there are a few other teams that they just say that I hate now every week. Okay. But Clemson is like a team that people perceive that I hate Clemson for some reason. You keep saying that the, the run is over. I know, but like, so I hate them? Well, that's what they think. Listen, anything that isn't your team is the greatest team in the history of the world, there are people on the internet who will construe that as you hate them. So here's my thing with Clemson. Clemson has been the exception to the blue chip ratio rule for the most part. Now, they've always had the blue chip ratio but they've always been the weirdo that didn't recruit in the top five that still won national championships. And my thing has always been, how long can you continue to live in the exception to the rule territory while maintaining success? 
As long Probably as you have a generational long. quarterback and a freakish defensive line. So they got the defensive line part right now. And they might have a, a generational quarterback. Cade Klubnick's really good, and who knows how DJ is going to do this year. But the point of the matter is, is that when they were winning national championships at the height of their success, the blue chip ratio was not this lopsided. So, like, the sport has changed around Clemson. You know, so, like, well, to me, me, I think it's a very easy thing to predict that their, their run is coming to an end because if you just look at the information that's in front of you, it's right there. Well, let me ask you this, Ari, because this is this is a product probably of the last six or seven years, what we're looking at right now, because we, yeah. we've seen it evolve. And it's getting worse. It is, but recent rule changes have made it where circumstances have changed. So let me ask you this. I wonder if those rules this, are going to make it worse. I don't know. But seven years from now, what does this look like? My hope for the sport is that it's not 96% and up. But it's like as, as long as Jordan Addison's going to USC and Jameer Gibbs is going to Alabama, like I don't know that the, the transfer rule is a reprieve from the lopsided but nature that the way that these rosters are constructed right now. USC isn't on this list. So if USC gets no, on know, this list, true. that means somebody's going down from the top of it. It's actually freaking embarrassing that USC is not on this list, by the way. Like if you are a team that calls themselves a, 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 a traditional power, and you're not on this list, then you should be embarrassed. Like, there's no other way to put it. Well, like, who, I, who's it, like inexplicably missing from this list that isn't coming off the top of my head right now? I think USC is probably the the big one there. Florida State right now. Florida State's, Florida State's not State's on there. On That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But I so, guess if if those teams appear, then other teams that would would disappear. That it would be embarrassing. Yeah, so, to, so it's not that there's a finite. Now, I mean. That the this list would be huge if everybody was sitting at fifty one percent, and the sport the would case. be more entertaining, and we the would sport have more would be things ridiculously to talk about. entertaining if that was. The it case. really does. It really does. St- it's like, and that's the thing that we always talk about of like the expansion of the playoff and more good games during the regular season and conference expansion. It's like the, those things don't fix this. This is the thing. This is the whole sports problem right here. If you're a big parody person, you have to fix this problem. You don't fix the shit around it. Well, you, You've got to okay. fix how this is happening. Would it fix it if USC can work its way onto this list? If Tennessee yes. can work its way onto yes. this list? That's how it happens. Okay. All the because and, and all those coaches that are our first year coaches at programs that were down. If mm-hmm. if Mike Norvell wakes up at Florida State, if Billy Napier makes Florida awesome again, if Miami is awesome again, um, well, USC and, gets back into the equation a little bit. Oklahoma maintains where it is. Marcus Freeman makes Notre Dame a, mo- a monster. Like Notre Dame's about to sign one of the best classes on paper. Right, Notre Dame's going to go up from here. So like somebody's going to like, come I don't down because Notre Dame's going up. I don't know if the if the answer to this question is is will this list ever be twenty five teams long? Probably not. But I hope that the number one team in the blue chip blue chip ratio in seven years only has fifty seven percent. Because that way means that the other. You hope that the teams are different. Yeah. Like it's no, I Ohio State's always going to be on there. So is Alabama. I, I don't doubt that, but I like to see some some variety here, and we might get that now. Like Auburn, so, you would rather the teams be different than the percentages just flatten out? I'd love if the percentages flatten out. I just don't think that's how that's realistic. I well, I mean, I do think that with the crazy moves in coaching this last year, this is the biggest hope that college football has ever had for more parity. And by when I mean more parity, I just mean the old 
powerhouses of back in the day just reemerging again. Like, I don't think Kansas State's just going to come out of nowhere and be a national championship contender. But if Miami's good, if Florida's really good, if Florida State's really good, if USC is really good, um, Oklahoma remains good, and then Notre Dame gets even more talent than they have been getting, and all those teams are awesome every year, then the sport will be, and then especially combine that with the fact that they might all be playing each other more during the regular season, then we might get to a day where I can't sit here on July 14th and look you in the eye and say, this is the team that's going to win the national championship because you can't do that in any other sport. That's exactly right. And now we can also look at some trends here. So Miami's sitting there at number 14 at 55%. My guess is Miami is going to move its way up this list. Auburn is sitting at number 15 at 54%. They're off this list already. Yes. They're off this list next year. We know we're, we're pretty sure of that now. I'm assuming there's going to be a coaching change. If they choose correctly, they're back on the list within a year. That's right. And that's what's great about Auburn. And like somebody asked me, is Auburn football dead? And it's just like, they're no. dead right now, but not forever. I think no. that there they are, are one, how many- one move away from coming right. And, and like, this is the, that's the program that had its worst season ever and followed it up by winning the SEC and coming 30 seconds from winning the national title the next year. Auburn is like the most interesting program in the world. Because it's like it's flirtation with greatness and dysfunction and how often it switches is just like remarkable. But like there would be a really good podcast and maybe you can write this down and we, we can do it. But like how many programs are there in college football that are one move away from greatness? I say that is a great podcast. That is a that's a great preseason podcast. And I, I you know, would you argue that USC made that move this offseason? My entire I put a thousand bucks on that. I, yeah. I, like that's literally my entire concept. But, like, I think Michigan is one move away from being great. Like, could you imagine if Michigan, like, and I don't know, like, I don't want to come off as a Michigan hater, please. I'm just trying to make a point. If Michigan installed a head coach that had Marcus Freeman's attitude towards recruiting after the season they just had, like, are you telling me that Michigan is doomed to be a 9-3 and team every year? No. That beats Ohio State once a decade? Yeah. They don't need to be. And... Penn State's one move away. Can, yeah. Can, can we get... Did Michigan State make that move? Michigan State? You, you and, and Colton spent an hour and a half smacking me around a little bit trying to convince me of that. Maybe they did. Because I think they might be on this list at some point in the next couple of years. Yeah, that would be something. If Michigan State's on this list, then Mel Tucker is worth every freaking penny they paid him. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so interesting... That it is that still, and and realize I, I realize nil is going to have an effect on this, and but I still think the personality, of the person in charge, is going to be the biggest factor. Yes. Well, let me ask you this: I got we asked this question on the Stars Matter podcast, which you can find on the Andy Staples feed, ran on Wednesday um, or Thursday. Sorry. Um, how much does the head coach matter in recruiting anymore? It's like how much is his lot. personality? Like, and the question was, as it pertains to Brian Kelly, like a CEO type person who's not obsessed with recruiting the way that you might find in other places. Like, can that hurt uh, LSU or does having a good staff, a solid NIL situation and, um, you know, a team that has a solid infrastructure of how they want to approach this? Can they get by with a coach that's not as enthusiastic about it as some others? I don't know. That, that is an interesting one because Brian Kelly has entered a, a realm now where all we've seen in the past 
really probably since Urban Meyer showed up in the SEC in 2005. Or actually, probably, probably since Nick Saban showed up in 2000. The program that has as its head coach a completely maniacal recruiter who is the most aggressive recruiter on the staff, those are the only ones that win consistently. In the Kirby SEC. Smart's maniacal, right? Absolutely. Jimbo Nick Saban's Fisher. maniacal. Yep. My thought was that Billy Napier, Napier will be maniacal based I, on the way that he's approached I, his I job so far. Be. And then in, in another league, but that has to recruit against all these people, Mario Cristobal absolutely is maniacal. Yeah. Is Dabo Sweeney maniacal? Oh, 100%. He was, About recruiting? He was the best recruiter in the country as an assistant. So I'm, that's what I'm saying. All the national championship contenders is Lincoln Riley maniacal. Yes. Jimbo Fisher. Yes. Is there a correlation between the, the maniacal teams and the ones that are, 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 it's like, it's like, I wonder too, like in two years from now when NIL really progresses, Andy, we should do maniacal recruiting coaches and NIL infrastructures and compare the, like compare and contrast well, where it, they, they land. Cause I'm looking at like Josh Heupel at Tennessee. Now, Josh Heupel is not an out there personality where he's a, a big media presence and a big media personality. But he certainly seems to be an aggressive recruiter. Yeah. The results have changed dramatically with Tennessee since NIL. And he was a good recruiter at UCF, But also, too, too Josh Heupel might have just been finding his wings. It was only his first year. Yeah. You know, it takes time. And they, were, well, they no, had all those I, NCAA just, things. Yeah. But he's, he's never going to be the one who's up there breathing fire into a microphone that's not his personality yeah but he is also a guy who finished second in the Heisman Trophy balloting who led a team to a national title as a quarterback there is a bit of dog in him I would imagine that these players see behind the scenes that is very similar to some of these other coaches we're talking about so I'm going to read you um, the schools that have commitments from top 10 players nationally right now you think you can do it off the top of your head not now Texas, number one, Arch Manning, Malachi Nelson, USC, number four, Nico, Tennessee, number eight, Keon Keeley, Notre Dame, number nine, Francis Mauigoa. I don't know how to say his name. I'm so sorry, but he's a five-star prospect. I'm very familiar with him. Miami and 10, Iowa, Caden Proctor. Those are the top, those are the commitments that are all in the top 10. And if you scroll down further into the top 20, you have Oregon, you have Louisville, you have Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson. LSU, Oklahoma, and then as you continue to go on, you have Penn State um, and Miami a bunch still. like I mean, there's a lot of new teams out there. I, I love to hear that. I Now, if in December they've all flipped to Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State, then it's all for naught, but I love to hear that now, and I hope that's what happens because if they do wind up going there and that becomes a trend, you could this see a flattens, flattening of those percentages. Because yeah, I'm, I'm not with you. Like, I... Well, I am with you because it would be the good logical first step. It would be cool to see the teams change, but I think the best solution possible would have the the numbers flattened. Um, right, and I it, guess because a forty five percent can beat a fifty five percent on a right. given day. Right, but a fifty four percent can't beat seventy one, seventy seven, eighty three, and eighty nine in a row. It can't beat them two games in a row. Not a chance. Yeah. So you know that's and that's what. It's funny, too, because my favorite stat in the entire world, only three teams in the modern era of recruiting dating back to 2000 have won a national championship without having signed a top five class in any of the previous five years. Um, and that's Clemson twice with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence and Auburn 
um, with Cam Newton, and we discussed this on the podcast a month ago, but could Cam Newton's Auburn team won a playoff? Could they have won an SEC championship, won a playoff semifinal, and a national title game all in a row? It would have been Maybe. really tough. I mean, because remember, that team flirted with disaster for much of the season. The Clemson yes. game, the South Carolina game, and of course the Alabama game was one of the most remarkable comebacks we've ever seen. But I do think, too, that like the days of super quarterback being enough by himself are done. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're right. And I think Georgia showed that last year where <coughs> Stetson Bennett is not a first-round quarterback, but Georgia had such an overwhelming amount of talent on its roster, there wasn't much you could do. Yeah, and that's what I see when I look at Alabama this year. Did Bud Elliott put out uh, what Georgia's was last year? Uh, well, in last year's blue chip ratio. Yeah, yeah. Where is it? Oh, last year's. But like the percentages wise, he has it all lined up in the percentages. Um, and I don't I'm think looking the, at it right. I'm, I'm calling up the 2021 blue chip ratio. I know for right sure now. Georgia number was number one. I don't know if they have the percentages out there because the blue chip ratio and the team compa- talent composite are basically the same idea. Georgia right? was number two at 80 percent. Alabama was, was number, number one at 84 percent. Alabama, 84%. But see, and that's more context that you need, though, because I think Georgia, like, because, like, everybody's a blue chip player in that. Like, right. if somebody was older. Was, I know, but Georgia also, too, Alabama, if a player, and I don't know for sure off the top of my head, but Georgia ranked number one in the team talent composite last year, which to me means that the quality of those blue chip players was higher on Georgia's roster than it was on Alabama's, even right. if they had fewer of them. Correct. So even if you have four more or five more players on your roster that rank in between 340 and 390, that doesn't equate if if you have seven more top 100 players on your roster but four fewer total blue chip players. Does that make sense? Like it the makes quality of sense. the the quality of the player also comes into account. So like the blue chip rate the blue chip ratio is a very important tool and I think Bud is a genius for creating it. But I do think that you like with everything with recruiting, you have to add further context into what those numbers mean, and they don't always map out the same way that they look on paper. So you know that's interesting. A different a different team with the highest number of blue chip players on their roster wasn't the most talented team in college football last year. That means that the right. quality on Georgia's roster, pound for pound, was better. Yeah, and and a and lot like of it had it- to be a lot better, Andy, because they were completely. Like at the quarterback well, position, forget. it wasn't one even of, close. One of Georgia's first rounders was a three-star recruit, Jordan Davis. Yeah, and that doesn't and that doesn't equate for like how good you are at developing the three stars too, which is another great point you just made. Yeah, so it this this will be interesting to watch. It's I like these kind of markers, guideposts along the way because we need to pay attention to this, see what the trends are, and and the trend of this matches exactly what we think is the problem in the sport is too much consolidation on too few teams. If that changes and what you just read in terms of players committed who are top 100 players and where they're committed to, if that holds true and stays true for the next few years, the numbers will flatten out and the sport will get more interesting. And then combine that with a new system that could be really, really good. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Ari, we are recording this on a Thursday. 
It is early afternoon on Thursday. We are taking a massive risk here at realignment time. So if I have time traveled and told you things about schools moving around, it means that the schools have decided to mess up my anniversary dinner. We are recording so early because it is my anniversary. My marriage can legally drink as of today, and my wife and I intend to legally drink to celebrate it. If I have to come back and, and record more podcasts saying that some team has moved somewhere else, which you would have already heard because we would have time traveled it to the front of the show, I'm going to be really pissed. Yeah, I'm like the dude uh, from Father of the Bride this week because my wife is hosting a baby shower. So like I'm walking around with a clipboard. I'm buying. I'm, I'm getting cookies. I'm getting cakes. Uh, and I'm doing like the second we hang up on here, I've got one more podcast to do with Dollopy. And then after that, like I'm like in wedding planner mode uh, for a baby shower party. We made um, a cake out of diapers. Of course you did. You got to make the diaper cake. And we did it together. And I was rolling them up like I'm like all in on this thing. So um, first you're, of all, you're very experienced with diapers now. So yeah, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not experienced with like the I mean, Brit is very crafty. So and that's very foreign to me. Um, but the question I wanted to ask you is, do you guys do anniversary gifts still and all that? Not really. We did a trip last year for our twenty. Well, that was twenty. Party. Yeah, but we didn't. We this year we've been doing a bunch of different things this summer and and did some stuff for the kids. And we basically were like, well, look, we we did all that stuff. We don't need to to give each other gifts on our anniversary. We're just, I, I got her some flowers, and we're going out to dinner. Did um? So are your kids going with you to the anniversary dinner? No, they are not. They are staying here. Okay. They're having they're having pizza. Oh, it looks like they have a better anniversary than wherever you're going. I guarantee you that. You'll be going to a five-star restaurant. We're we're having better pizza, probably. Oh, you're going to pizza? Maybe. It might be pizza. I might be be doing the Pappardelle Bolognese. I'm not sure. Okay. All right. Well, you'll have to send some pictures. I'd like to see what you have. Uh, But I hope that for your sake that that doesn't happen because, you know, you got to keep that relationship spicy. You know what I mean? You want to have a nice drunken dinner and like fall in love all over again, right? Exactly. And the only way I can do that is if two leagues don't consolidate today. So please don't do that. Like that is that is all I ask. If you want to well, upstage me- SEC Media Days next week, you know, like what like was upstaged by Realignment News last year, but that was involving the SEC. So it's kind of not the same thing. But if you want to upstage SEC Media Days starting Monday, do that. Just don't do this. Not tonight. Andy, I want to be the first to publicly wish you a happy anniversary uh, I've been married for a few months now, and 21 years is a hell of an accomplishment in this day and age. So it's, uh, you know, I'm proud like, of you. I bud. like your text last night. Did you get married when you were 11? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, because you don't strike. I don't even know how how old are you. I am 43. Yeah, you strike me as like mid 30s. So yeah, no, uh, I, I we were we we were young though. I was 22. She was 21 when we got married, and like so you're the types of, of things, people that are going to have like a 60th wedding anniversary. We, so we got engaged after we'd been dating for three months. Now, we didn't get married for another 11 months after that. But like if one of my kids comes home after dating somebody for three months. You are a scallywag, dude. That's awesome. Uh, so you just say, if, Yeah. Oh, yeah. But if one of my kids comes home after dating somebody for three months and they're like, mom and dad, we're getting married. I'm going to be like, the hell you are. Three months. Did your parents give you shit for that? Oh, yeah. They're like, are you sure? And then you her, guys don't and really like, know each other that well. Did you guys have? Did you guys have uh, a conversation about um, getting engaged before you asked her the question? No. So no, she had no start- idea it was coming. You just 
you just blasted her with a with a will you marry she me three months into sense. it. And no- uh, so here's what happened. So we had been dating for the summer of 2000. And I knew that she was the one I wanted to be with. I got hired to cover Tennessee for the Chattanooga Times Free Press. I was I was working in Tampa as a freelancer. I couldn't get a job, a full time job right out of college. And the Tampa Tribune was letting me freelance for them. And so I was you know, getting paid like 40 bucks a story and trying to cobble together enough to, to pay for my little crappy apartment. Um, and then I get this full-time job, but I got to move to Knoxville. So I got the job. I got offered the job on a Friday and I needed to move to Knoxville on Tuesday. And so Ann's sister goes, you know, she's not going with you unless you're getting married. I was like, well, then we're, we're going to get engaged. I went and bought a ring and I asked. Now, as fate would have it, my my wife, well, fiance at the time, never could move because she was finishing her undergrad at, at Florida and the degree program that she was in at Florida was relatively new. There weren't a lot of comparable courses at the University of Tennessee. And so she had to stay and finish. And then then she was starting to apply to grad schools. Well, the nearest, she wanted to go to PA school. The nearest PA school to Knoxville was in Nashville, which is two and a half hours away. Yeah. Meanwhile, Florida has a great PA school, and there's also a PA school in uh, in Fort Lauderdale. There's one in Miami. And so I was like, oh, crap, I got to I gotta get back to Florida. So we actually were apart for the year that we were engaged and the first year we were married. And then I finally got a job in Florida. Damn, I would read a book about this. I'm like fat. Yeah, yeah. I got a job at the Tampa Tribune and and came down and covered high schools. And then she finished her undergrad and moved in with me in Tampa my first year there. But then she got into PA school at UF. So she's back to Gainesville living with her mom. And then I didn't come and join her until I got moved to the Florida beat in 2004. That's crazy. So we'd been we had been married three years before we actually almost three years before we actually got to live together full time. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are. (laughs) No, I know. Hey, hey, you know, if you if you knew after three months that that was it and you didn't have to, like, worry about it and she was on board right away, then, you know, like, that's that's. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And, And the thing is, we still get along great. Like nothing. Obviously, people change and grow up and all that. But the way we interact with one another isn't any different than that first summer we met. And I, I just I think it's great. It's it's I married my best friend. I know people say that and it, it's cliche, but it's true. I thought I was if, your best friend. I mean, you're, you're working your way there. OK, it's it's neck and neck. One one and one. A. So <laughs> did I, I understand right, we, that feeling? Well, I just well, I'm happy that we had that talk like this was the anniversary edition. Of yeah, the show, and I never knew that stuff about you, so I'm I'm happy to hear about it. And I was locked in, so if I was locked in, I hope the listeners were locked well, in. Well, and, and it's that's why, like, I would ask you so many questions about your single life, and all these all these other friends I have who've gone through like the Match.com phase and the the Tinder oh, yeah, and all that, that stuff, because none of that stuff even existed the last time I was single. And like, if you met somebody on the internet, it meant you were they were going to chop you up into little pieces. Like that wasn't. Yeah except like you didn't go find a, a a mate on the internet now now everybody does uh but 
I feel like most people still meet their mate, for lack of a better word, uh, more naturally than I mean. I know. Yeah, I mean, I, their, I met their, my wife in a bar. I met my wife at a graduation night. party. So yeah, like, you know it. it uh, yeah, I feel like that happens more often than not. But there are a lot of people who have found their you know future spouses on Tinder and Bumble and stuff. Yeah, and I mean, it makes it goes to show you that though. you never know where you're going to meet somebody online or it, in person. Always have exactly. your head on a swivel, kids. Exactly. Now. Ari, we haven't done a random ranking in a long time. And it's good to be back. This is a Friday show. We need to kind of get back into that sort of thing. We we, we gotta start having some fun. We've been way too serious about all this stuff. NIL, realignment, blah, 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 blah. Part of the fun of this show is we get way off track. So I need some help. Mostly I, I'm just trying to cheat off your your paper here. But I got a long drive on Sunday. I'm going to SEC Media Days. I could fly up there, but it's one of those things where if you do the math on how how early you have to leave at the airport, how long it takes to get from the Atlanta airport to where you're going, it winds up being about a half hour difference. So I think I'm just going to drive so I have the flexibility of leaving whenever I want to. And you get your own food choices and bathroom breaks and air conditioning control? Precisely. Precisely. You don't have to worry about somebody snoring next to you or anything like that. So I was thinking road trip songs. The, the, The five best road trip songs and obviously this is very personal for everybody there's a group there, there's a couple different ways you can go because it could be song that reminds you of one of your greatest road trips ever and and it's the nostalgia of it or like in my case it's songs for the most part that either keep me awake wake me up or set a mood that i'm trying to set for the drive yeah, well, I mean, the thing about road trip uh, playlists is that your destination also matters. Yes. If you're going to Vegas for Memorial Day weekend and you're driving from, uh, you know, Phoenix or L.A. to Vegas, then you're listening to EDM like Clarity. You know what I mean? And then, like, if you're going to a work trip. Actually, my number different. five song has to do with a fictional drive to Vegas. So, uh, okay. You, you'll um, see. So, but, I, the way I approached my list, because I listen to obscure rap music. Um, and that wouldn't be funny for people, but like other songs that I would listen to, I got some rap in there. I've got some other stuff, but I might like, I think that there is no question what the number one road trip song is. And it's not a rap song. Like it should be everybody's number one. So I'm very curious. Please, if please it's tell even me it's list. not life is a highway. No, no. Okay. I'm, I'm not, I don't God. have any of those songs on, the, on my Okay, list. good. All right. Okay. Just making sure. All right. I'll go. I'll start off with my number five. And you mentioned the drive to Vegas and now, I've actually never driven to Vegas. I've always flown to Vegas. Great so drive. I've, I I want to do the Vegas drive from L.A. at some point. Because you, well, first of all, there's an In-N-Out burger on the way. So well, and just to relive that. Swingers, I heard there's a nice outlet mall in Barstow, you know. I mean, it's uh, it used to be nice. <laughs> it's kind of in the middle. <laughs> but there's also the world's largest Chevron with a white castle in there. And there's always yeah. that awesome moment, which was depicted in the movie, where... And if you're, especially if it's at night, you like drive over a hill and the next thing you know, you see a bunch of mountains and then all the lights are there. And it's well, like, okay, so there's I'm, the I'm going, I'm going with the scene in the hangover when yeah. the strip shows for the, we see the strip for the first time they're driving in the, in that classic, it's a classic Mercedes, I believe it is. driving in and can't tell me nothing by Kanye West is playing. You got Jeezy going <laughs> the whole time. Uh, yeah. 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 That awesome. is actually a really good. Yeah, because it's like I was trying to like remember because I've seen that movie five thousand times. 
Uh, I was trying to remember what what song was playing there, but that's a good one. Okay. Well, and, and uh, I could not remember. I had about a month long period of my life where I could not remember what Jeezy song that particular <laughs> was from. And I'm like, wait, it's because it's, it's not a Jeezy song. It's can't tell me nothing where Jeezy does not have a verse. He just his laughs. entire his entire role is that yes. So my list, Andy, all but four song or all but one song has like a drive because I tried to make it like great songs that I would listen to that have like drive puns in there. Okay. Okay. And then right. one is just a cool song that should be on there. So my number five is "Let Me Ride" by Dr. Dre. I think it like ah, pumps you a up. Cla- that's, that's it's a classic. classic. Uh, everybody who who uh, you know listens to hip hop music and can uh, kind of relate to that one. And I just like it. Just and "Let Me Ride" is a is a driving pun. So I put it on the list. Well, and and so that is probably the most because you know Dre kind of when he went solo and, and and released the Chronic. It still mattered what order you released your singles in at that point. Right. And so the singles went nothing but a G thing, Dre Day, Let Me Ride, all with Snoop. That's the one that people kind of forget because that was the third one. Yes. The other two are also three of the most iconic rap songs in the history of the genre. So, um, you know, shout out to Dr. Dre. I don't think he's really made any good music in the last 20 years, (laughs) but his first uh, records from when we were kids. He uh, did launch Eminem's career. That that he helped. did. Yeah, yeah. He, of course. Like it's like, but like, I mean, I know I was in high school when the real Slim Shady came out, and it's just like those were like good records back then. But I never like emotionally connected to Eminem stuff. Like I thought they were all good. I liked their stuff, but like I kind of feel like all the new music that he's put out the last seven years is just like, can you just go away, dude? Like it's over. <laughs> like you had your run when we were in high school, and like it's over now. And like let's just like let rap be rap, you know. Well, but it is, I think it is a young gonna... man's game. Now there are no young people on my list. These, I, I just realized I'm looking down my list and I just realized "Can't Tell Me Nothing" is the newest song on my list. Okay, well uh, I'm, I probably won't even have even heard uh, of some of the songs that are on your list. So, so number four, I, I I mentioned that a lot of times about setting a vibe. Usually, it's trying to set a vibe where I'm kind of feeling more aggressive. But if I'm trying to calm it down and just kind of have a nice smooth ride and maybe the, the sun's setting and it's just a, it's like, you just want to go, ah, everywhere by Fleetwood Mac. Now, you have to sing it for Christ- me because I don't know this it. This is a Christine McVie Fleetwood Mac song. This is not a Stevie Nicks fronted Fleetwood Mac song. So uh, it's a different sound, a little different vibe. But that song just gets me in, in just the right mood when I want to chill. Everywhere by Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if Can I play you hear it, me then calling out your name. You know that I'm falling. You no, know? nothing. Oh, I've heard this song. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm because I'm like listening to clips of them on YouTube to make sure that I'm up to speed on what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, we'd be playing them, but we are also putting this on YouTube, and we don't. We need don't want it to get taken right down these days. Yes. So. My number four is "Drive Slow" by Kanye West. Back when he was still good at making go. music. It's a it's a drive uh, it's a driving pun. Uh, it's not one of my favorite songs of all time, but definitely something I would play on a on a road trip. I figured I figured that Kanye Kanye would be the only artist that was on both our lists. That 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 that's my guess. Now I have another hip hop song on here, but it's my favorite hip hop artist. I don't think yours matches up. So 
but I'm not there yet. <laughs> not there yet. That's that's at my my number two. My number three is when you want to get going, when you want to press the gas pedal. And I realize they made another song that is of a similar tempo that is actually about a car. This isn't that one. Ain't talking about love by Van Halen. Okay. I don't know that I've heard that song before. What have you been doing? Like you have heard it. You've you have been in a like. At yeah, I think mon- I've, okay, I've heard. I think at I've heard some this. sort of event, and they've played it. Like they play it in stadiums all the time. Yeah, I'm sure I heard it. I just like I don't know the names of the songs. Like now, Panama Panama is actually about a car, similar era, similar tempo. But for me, if I want to get locked in. That first guitar riff from Ain't Talking About Love does it every time. You know, one time I was on a road trip with Bill, uh, and we were driving from Columbus, Ohio to Dallas for the national championship game in 2014. And we made a deal that Bill could drive as long as I was in charge of the music. Like, I made him that deal because Bill really wanted to drive, and I said, that's fine. You can drive, but I get to be the DJ. And I I, I'll, uh, hope he listens to this because he'll remember it like yesterday. But we got like into Rockwall, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas. Yeah. And Landis was driving it and he looked at me and he goes, For the love of God, can we just listen to one song with a guitar in it? <laughs> like because all of my music is always hip hop. Uh and I always so, like. So laugh you played about him that. something from from Lil Wayne's like two thousand and seven to two thousand nine. Oh, it was a fifteen hour phase. drive. Like we I have uh, like my like Black Thought and Little Brother and like I like obscure rap music that most people don't listen to. So I like waterboarded him with that during our 10 year relationship when we drive in, in road trips together. But um, I'm trying to be a more mainstream because I want to connect to the listener. And my number three, my number three is um, no no puns at all uh, for driving. It's just Easy Lover by Phil Collins. It's just a, I think that song is a literal 10. It's a slapper. And Isn't Phil it by Collins, Philip, actually by Philip Bailey? Yeah, Philip Bailey. It's Phil times two. Philip Bailey, Phil Collins. Uh, but Phil Collins goes hard. And like, I don't know. Yes, I wasn't around like when he was. He's a drummer. Well, I, I, but I wasn't like at the height of his success. I wasn't a conscious person yet. But like, I hear his songs to this day and I'm like, damn, those are really good. Like 80s music is really good. Um, and I just like genuinely love Easy Lover, and I listen to it all the time in the car. And it's a that's a fantastic song. Music. Yeah, fantastic song. In the air tonight, also a fantastic song. I, yeah, so I, mean, I all lived, of Phil Collins' catalog. I lived in, in South Florida when In the Air Tonight was on Miami Vice, and like, uh, oh yeah, and the drum solo part of In the Air Tonight, it's it's tremendous. But Easy I think Lover you have to is, sing the is, last two on your list now, though. Well, I can't talk fast enough to sing this one though i do know all the words number two for my favorite rap group of all time this is not for my favorite album of theirs though uh, it is bombs over baghdad by outcast i'm an equimini person like if i want to listen to a whole outcast album i will just put on equimini i, like if I want one song yeah that gets me going it's bombs over baghdad now you could actually go tracks two and three on stankonia gasoline dreams and bombs over baghdad if you really want to get charged up yes uh it's funny you mentioned that because i watched a 15 minute tourism video of baghdad today interesting i don't know like my friend who was was in the war sent it to me and i was like watching somebody like go through tourism there 
Sorry, I didn't mean to ruin the vibe, but I just people said <laughs> that did. they admire my <laughs> my ability to veer off and then come back on. Okay, my number two is Aston Martin music or Paris Morton music by Drake. It's one of the best uh, vibiest rap verses of all time, and it uh, you know was originally on a Rick Ross song, but they took the the verse off for whatever reason, and uh, it's usually not on the record that Rick Ross released. So you have to go find that song on Drake's. Uh, tape or if you're lucky enough to find the whole song but it, it that verse is incredible and guess what andy he's not whining during it he whines most of the time i mean maybe that's why rick ross had it taken off because <laughs> yeah, he's like, it, it, that whiny. it yeah. couldn't earn the maybach music imprature because he's like nah we don't we don't whine on our song maybach like music we, had a really we, good we push it to the limit um okay push uh, it push it by rick ross by the way Another tremendous driving song, literally about driving down I-95. That's not yeah. not on my list. I was just on I-95. Yeah. Driving on 95 to survive? Yeah. I-95 Actually, is my in, favorite in that highway. part of the world, you are basically driving to survive do you on have sun, do you have sun? Do you have your sunshine, uh, sunshine pass? I do, yes. It's called the Sunshine Pass. I've always it's called the Sun thing. Pass. Sun Pass. It's called sun the Peach Pass in Georgia. Okay, now number one is when things get a little tricky here, bud. So I'm, I'm, I would love to hear your number one. So my number one is just my number one sing at the top of my lungs song. Whether I'm in a car, stationary, doesn't matter. But when this song comes on, I will scream it at the top of my lungs. No doubt. It is not by no doubt. If it's Journey, it is, I'm not going to finish the podcast. Nope. It okay. is my own worst enemy by Lit. Please tell me why, why the car is in the front yard I and even, I'm sleeping with the clothes on. Yeah, that's it. I know that song by heart. I don't know the artist or the song name. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Lit, um, Lit okay. didn't have much else after that. They had a good song called Ziploc, but that was about it. All right. If it's your favorite song to sing to, then I understand, but it's not the best road trip song of all time. There's only oh, one answer for this. Everybody in the car sings along. Come on, Ari. Holiday Road by Lindsey Buckingham. (laughs) Wait, we got a Fleetwood, another Fleetwood Mac member in here. We got Lindsey Buckingham. I didn't know that. Uh, All I know (laughs) is that Holiday Road, uh, and maybe it's because of my nostalgic nature uh, from National Lampoon's vacation movies, but like every time I drive on a road trip that is ending in a vacation, that song plays at least one time. Because it is such, it's like it's impossible to listen to that song and not feel uplifted to some degree. Like it is, I, I want a, I a always, dime piece to drive up next to me in a Ferrari and wink at me. You know, I want to see the mountains. I'm on my way to Vegas. Holiday road. How is that? I always hear it in my head as I'm packing for a trip. But I don't know how that didn't make your list, but I'm, I'm actually well, because it makes me think of all the bad things that can happen along the way, like a relative dies or you run into, you know, a, a, another relative who is going to cause you many, many problems along the way oh, or the, yeah, the amusement know. park will be closed when you get there. <laughs> the good thing about that is that Vegas is only closed once. And that was during COVID. And there I actually go. I did walk the strip during COVID and it was crazy. I because like I was like I was like trying to lose weight at the time another failed attempt at losing weight, um, but it was hot and like it was a ghost town. It was the eeriest thing. It was like 
if you could like watch those movies on the Discovery or those shows on the Discovery Channel of like twenty years after life, like imagine yeah, yeah. like Las Vegas Strip after there was another there wasn't another soul on the Strip. The water fountains were completely drained. No signs were on. It was like weird. Then we walked that the is- whole thing. It took like two and a half hours, but it was like a it's kind of like a designed uh, workout to walk in the heat during the day. But it was like super strange. But it felt like a zombie apocalypse. It did the whole time. Yeah. Well, hopefully you won't be driving into a zombie apocalypse, but hopefully we have given you some something to listen to along the way through this podcast and our terrible singing and also because of our list. Thank you for listening. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, unsubscribing, resubscribing, and re-five-star reviewing. You guys are awesome. We're going to be previewing SEC Media Days next, unless we have an emergency podcast for some reason, which, by the way, again, conferences, schools, not tonight. Dude, just check out and enjoy your night. And if wait it happens, till the then we'll just we'll figure it out. Yeah. Realignment waits for no anniversary. Except anniversaries of realignment. We'll talk to you later.